0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of the Masterclass. My name is Cam Brennan, and I am here with, you guessed it, my good friend Dave (laughs) Ho. Dave, how are you, man?
1: Doing wonderful. Good to be here.
0: We, uh, well, I think we're just going to dive in. I'm not going to waste the first 90 seconds.
1: Maybe (laughs) just the first
0: 20. All right. So, uh, listeners, dear, dear, dear listeners, we, uh, have a survey, uh, that we would be very uh, grateful if you would take. Uh, there will be a link in the show notes. So if you're listening on your smartphone, you can pretty much just scroll down and the link should be right there for you. But what this show, or uh, pardon me, what the survey is gonna help us with is understanding better who our audience is so that we can continue to tweak and tailor uh, our show to uh, be something that appeals to the people that are listening. Uh, we don't want to waste your time. We don't want to waste our time. We want to do this because it's fun, but also because it's beneficial to us and to those people that listen. And so um, the survey is a bit long, It'll probably take you like four, four minutes. Maybe if you think a lot about the questions, mm-hmm. um, but it will give us a lot of information that will help us continue to improve what we do and how we do it. So if you want to help us in that way, we, we, we'll be very grateful. Um, and we did get some feedback already from the survey after the last episode. And someone who filled out the survey, it's completely anonymous, so we don't know who did it, um, they listed a dislike for the show, uh, is that the show didn't go as deep into the content as we possibly could, um, and that we should find ways to regularly challenge our listeners. And this is the sort of constructive feedback that the survey is going to provide for us. It's going to give us an opportunity to, see from someone else's perspective, um, how they think the show should be changed or improved. Um, and that's something that Dave and I can't really see because we're the ones who make the show. So it's nice to have this sort of constructive input from outsiders, um, that can help us kind of remove some blind spots that we may have about the show. Um, so thank you to whoever gave us this feedback. We really appreciate it. Um and we're gonna take it to heart and we're gonna try and figure out how we can incorporate that. So uh we've got no more follow-up and I think we're just gonna dive right into the text because I feel like we have a lot to talk about this episode.
1: Sure. All right, so we are moving on to Matthew eight one through four. Um we spent twenty four episodes um doing the Sermon on the Mount. So with uh, chapter seven of Matthew, we basically finished the Sermon on the Mount. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, we didn't even have like a closing ceremony <laughs> or anything. So wow, drop the ball on that one.
1: Yeah, so it was kind of the, you know, I, I guess I was just sort of realizing in the whole like, wow, this is what we sat down to uh, to do. We're gonna, hey, let's start with what Jesus said, and we'll start with the Sermon on the Mount. And as I was looking at this week, just kind of like that realization of, wow, we've we've moved on to that next stage, that next uh, element of uh, what Jesus did. So um, I'm going to read it. Matthew 8, 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountain, cra- great crowds get... Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> I may have to g- give the reading back to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, you got it. I have confidence.
1: <laughs> All right. So here we go again. Matthew 8, 1 through 4. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See, you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So,
0: All right, thank you. That was yeah. much better the second time.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: all right, so first question. Why are great crowds following Jesus? I, it seems like an interesting uh, detail to share, to lead off the chapter. Like the Sermon on the Mount's over, we're kind of heading into a different, you know, portion of Jesus' ministry. And the first sentence is, when he came out from the mountain, teaching, Sermon on the yeah, Mount, right? Just, yep. Great crowds followed him. It just, And then it just kind of ignores those great crowds and focuses on one individual the rest of the passage. So I was just kind of curious, why include that
1: detail? Uh, my understanding is, is that um, he is gaining in popularity because he is, um, well, I think the last verse that we finished said that he's teaching with authority. And so I think that is that sort of sense of uh, the word is getting out that, hey, uh, this Jesus guy is teaching with uh, authority. And there's, there's something to this message that he's saying. And um, one, I think he's speaking truth. And then two, uh, he's speaking truth in a different way. Uh, but people are people are recognizing it as truth. There's this sort of... Um, it's different, but it's consistent with what has been taught in the past. And um, it kind of stands up to the scrutiny. And uh, so people are eager to... Um, hear him so and you know and i think it's just it's just like um anything i think there's just an element of well if everybody's doing it i want to be a part of it so you know i think there's some of that i think there's just a little bit of that going on as well you know it's just that uh the tipping point the critical mass kind of a thing the synergy that you need for (laughs) everything to to come together so so there was
0: something inherently special about him that would because there's a lot of people out there that are sharing the truth that you know people want nothing to do with right you know and there's plenty of people out there that aren't spreading the truth that lots of people want to be you know involved with so so there's like a certain something special about jesus in this situation that's Rocking the
1: boats, you can say? Yeah, and I, I think one of the things that they're starting to say is, is, okay, he's teaching with authority. This guy might be the Messiah. This guy might be the one that, you know... Yeah, because
0: hmm. the Jews are always on the lookout yeah.
1: for him. So, that you know, I think there's definitely that element going on of, hey, uh, <laughs> I want to come check this guy out. All right, so if great
0: crowds followed him then, why should... Great crowds follow him today. When he's not here, when we can't see him feed the 5,000, when we can't see him cleanse the leper as he does here, when he's just not physically tangible, why should people follow him today? Which I realize is a very simple question. I know you have a very simple answer for
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, and that's... uh, Yes. uh, Because he is the Messiah. So at that, that moment when he's teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, there is that probably, you know, people are having that inkling that, that in, you know, hey, this guy may be the Messiah. Why should we follow him today? Because sure enough, that's who he ended up turned out to be. Now, uh, as we know, it ended up being a very different way of going about that. They were expecting to put him on the throne and have an earthly leader that they were able to follow and worship and that sort of thing. And um, instead he, uh, chose to, uh, die on the cross for our sins and resurrected and, um, allows for us to have eternal life because of that. And, um, you know, something that we're not going to go into great detail at the moment, even though we've had requests to go deeper, is just the amount of prophecy that he f- fulfilled, uh, with his life. So, um, he was who he said he was and he backed it up, and um, 2,000 some years later, that still has uh, the practical application for us, and uh, I think as we've said a lot recently, he is the master teacher, and that's why we're doing the master class, is to say, what can we learn from you that has practical application for us, and why we're trying to figure that out today.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I agree with what you said, but I think my Well, I I, I should have asked this question differently. (laughs) So I apologize for that. Um, I think a lot of people that I come into contact with are willing to admit that there was something special about Jesus. Because you kind of have to be an idiot not to. Right. Like, he's the only person on whom the way we date our existence Like, I mean, whether you call it before current era and current era because we don't want to involve Jesus. Well, guess what? That still hinges upon his birth, the year that he was born. (laughs) So you can remove his name and and that stuff from your time frame, but it still hinges. It doesn't shift to a different hinge point. It's still his year of birth. Uh, No one else has that claim. So, I mean, even just from a important standpoint, he's the only person on which time hinges. Or how we measure time hinges. Uh, he, you know, even in other religions is revered as a great teacher. Right. The Jews call him a great prophet. So do the Muslims. They stop there, though. Right. So, I mean, he's the only person in multiple religions that I'm aware of that has significant pull. So clearly there is something special and different about him from your normal person. And I feel like a lot of people that I know are readily willing to admit that, yeah, Jesus was an important guy, but they don't feel the need to follow him. Right. And so I think, you know, when I read this and you read Jesus' you know, teachings and we're like, Oh yeah, that's great. and Ooh, that's really hard. I struggle with that one, but I get why you said it that way. And, and you, you can like, so people like us that have a deep knowledge of scripture and have had been Christians for a long time. And, um, kind of get where jesus is coming from it uh, it makes sense to us why great great crowds would follow him and why we want to but my my tripping point is how do i get somebody to even consider stepping beyond jesus was a unique special kind of a guy to he might be somebody worth listening to Mm -hmm. and and i'm finding that discussion to be very difficult um how do i How do I continue to share the gospel with people um, in a way that allows them to see their uh, or to see what Jesus has said and done to be worthy of something that's worth changing your life for? Mm -hmm. You know, and and a lot of times I just see people just don't want to change their lives. Like, what, you know, there was was a church here um, that had a billboard by the highway. Which is another discussion of why churches should have billboards, but um, it said, uh, Jesus will change your life. And my natural response was, what if, what if I don't want to change my life? What if my life's just the way I want it to mm-hmm. be? You know, why do I need some guy to come in and change it? Um, so I just, one of the things I've been wrestling with is how do I show somebody. That he's more than just a unique historical figure that he really is worth following and I don't think there's a simple answer to that I think it's a continual like experiential thing like showing them not just telling them oh Jesus said this but like oh, here's why I don't cheat on my wife or here's why I don't you know lie on my taxes or here's why I don't bend the ethical rules at work because Christ has called me to a higher standard, and here, you know, and it's, it's obviously much easier said than done. But it's just something that I've been really thinking about, especially because I don't work with any Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, so how do I show them at the bank that Jesus is worth following? Uh, it's just been rattling around in this big old head of mine. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, you know, I I think um, one of the things that you know i wasn't really kind of but it, you just look at places where uh, christianity is introduced and um it um life is life is better you know things like uh, hospitals you know that was christians that was his followers that decided we needed things like that or the end of slavery you know, a lot of those kinds of movements, uh, if you take a look at the people who made a lot of that stuff happen, were people that were sincerely following him. And um, I know that that's not always the reputation that it that it has. And, um, you know, people bring up things like the Crusades and things like that, that it's like, yeah, there's there is some negative. But I just, again, I think if you look at overall where Christianity goes life is better for people and I can think of some probably better examples (laughs) when I think about it. But, uh, anyway, so.
0: I feel like we should have had like a home run answer for that one. Yeah, I know.
1: (laughs) I feel like a bad person now.
0: (laughs) I guess I'm just, I am convinced that people should, but I don't feel like, yeah, I, I, I'm gonna take back what I said earlier. I don't feel like there is a home run answer because every person is gonna follow Jesus for a different reason or not follow Jesus for a different reason. Like I'm sure that you and I came to want to follow Christ for different reasons. Yeah. Because we're different people and we grew up in different situations. Yeah. And you know, um what, what was um enticing to me about Christ. Is not necessarily maybe the same thing that was for you. There may be some overlap because, you know, a lot of what he has to offer is very um impressive. But you know, each person is gonna come to Christ, you know, for different out of different circumstances and for different reasons, let's say. Um, so I, I don't think that there should be a home run answer here. Um, as odd as that may be to say.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: like I know I uh, specifically for, for me versus my own dad, you know, uh, he, he didn't grow up with, he grew up with really bad father figures, many of them. Um, and so when, you know, he found out, you know, about God, the father and his love for him, his was like, finally, finally, a dad figure that is going to love me. You know? And so that was his pull was I've had an, I've had enough crappy dads. I, I want a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas for me, I grew up with a great dad and didn't have that desire to go find a good dad elsewhere. There was other things about Jesus that were very enticing to me, mm-hmm. mainly that he accepted me for who I am. Cause I'm kind of a weirdo, <laughs> you know, and I have my own idiosyncrasies and issues and, and, um, and I just, I never felt, I was always very self-conscious as a middle schooler in high school. I never felt like I really fit in with like any one group. I was kind of like that kid that would float between groups that like everyone was like, Oh, he's a nice kid and we like him. But like, you know, like I was always just kind of like that, that wallflower that just kind of adapted. And so I was like, wow, here's a guy that says that he loves me for who I am. And so that to me was the pull for Jesus was I can be this awkward, goofy, weird guy in he made me that way. And so me and my dad both came to Christ but from for, for very different um reasons. So I mean I I hope that helps explain why I I don't think that there's necessarily one answer for why people should follow Christ. You look
1: confused. <laughs> no, not at all. Okay. I I just I I guess I wish I was better prepared to kind of think from this angle which I just like you said Maybe there isn't a home run answer to this. Maybe there's not. Ultimately, you know, I know that the Holy Spirit is the one who does that work in somebody's life and causes them to uh, come to him. But I guess I'm I'm just I'm convinced that life is better with living it for him. And that one for me personally, you know, I can just I'm thinking of some just very real examples here lately of my life of just. Um, just very practical things of um, (laughs) the decisions that I made uh, recently were based purely on because of who he is to me, who Jesus is to me. And uh, it ended up, uh, my choices kept me from getting pulled into a um very um and I'm I'm being vague cuz I just don't know how much of this I can talk about but I work for a city and basically somebody in the city got fired that I had very close connections to and my deci- my decisions of things that I did were based on uh being a believer in Jesus but in the outcome it really kept me from being dragged into mm-hmm. the things that this person did because I made my decisions based on who Jesus was and not just simply a um, business ethics or any of that kind of stuff. It just flowed from my back to what I've talked about. It flowed from my relationship with him. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I I just, I believe life is better too where um, the gospel is, is proclaimed and, and um, you know, human rights, you know, it's such a big thing, but you, you want to change China and you want to see an improvement in human rights there. The, the gospel is doing that right now. Uh, it is one of the most vibrant places in the world for church growth and people coming to know him. And I think ultimately that's going to change China from the inside out. And there's not going yeah, to be a whole lot. the that,
0: government may Yeah. Work.
1: There's not a whole lot that the government's going to be able to do to that in the end. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. to See if that would happen in our lifetime. So it would be pretty cool.
0: All right, well, I think we should get back to the yes. uh, the text. Well, that was part of the text, but yeah. these the specific uh point of this passage. Um verse two says, Behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Um my my initial reaction to that was Man, how can how can I approach God with such a simple sincerity? Like, God, if you want this to happen, you can make it happen without having, like, God, I know that I sinned today, and I feel really bad about that, and, and I know I should read my Bible. And, like, bringing all of, like, the guilt and, you know, like, self-judgment and stuff before God. But how can how can we as Christians feel confident enough in ourselves and in God to just say, God, if you want this to happen, you can make it happen? Like, I would... I would love for this to happen, but it is, like, it is your will. And just leave it at that. And be okay with God saying, that's not my will. How how do we learn to just simplify a lot of what I feel like we try to overcomplicate?
1: Uh, I'm not, I don't know in terms of how we, Well, I'm going to go at it from this way. I, I think for the leper, he had nothing left. Like, I think he was truly at that point of, I've got nothing else, Uh, you know, um, if you were a leper, you didn't live with everybody else, you know, you weren't, you weren't in a hospital getting treatment for your situation, basically your existence was, you're alone outside the community, um, based on, I think it's Leviticus 13th and, Leviticus 13 and 14 talk about leprosy and skin diseases and things like that, and, um... So, if you were somebody that was identified as a leper, um, your life existence was away from everybody else. It was away from the community. Uh, You were not to even be touched because just by touching you, uh, that person became unclean because you were unclean. So, I, I guess there's this element of for the leper, he is just coming to Jesus with, I've got nothing left. And uh, I think you see this throughout the New Testament of people that are getting healed by Jesus. They are just, they've got nothing else left. And so they are just so willing to throw themselves uh, to Jesus and say, um, (laughs) you know, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And um, so I think that's it, that is one of the things that makes it difficult for me personally and my ability to have faith and to trust him is that I have so much that gets in the way of, of that. Um, my own abilities get in that way. Um, the material things that I have, uh, get in that way. Um, you know, um, I have a wonderful, loving family, uh, which God has blessed me with. But I think when it comes to um, getting closer to Him and having faith in Him, sometimes those those very things that are blessings can uh, make it difficult for us to come to Him with just that just abandonment of, I've got nothing else, Lord Jesus, so I'm going to trust. Uh, and I do think there are times in our lives where we get to that point. Um, but it is... More difficult for us in 21st century America than it would be for a leper um, in Jesus' time, and even amongst the, those people, you know, um, the people that are following Jesus versus this leper, I think it's even easier for that leper versus the people that weren't lepers to have that sort of faith because he has nothing else to put it into.
0: Yeah, it just to me, it if you if you think of what he's asking God. It's not just like, hey, can you spare a few <laughs> pennies? It's like, hey, can you perform a miracle and heal me of my disease? Like, it's, it's a big claim. Um, and I think I'm just part of just the boldness and the simplicity is kind of what's jarring to me. Yeah. It's not like a little favor he's asking.
1: No, and, and it's even really kind of saying, elevate my status in society. Because to be unclean was, that was, you did not want to be that. I mean, that was the bottom of the barrel kind of a uh, existence was to be unclean. So it's not just that healing, it's that sense of make me whole, make me clean, make me acceptable, um, you know. And that's, yeah, that's a pretty major, major well, request. And when you think of it me. that
0: way too, it's, this specific healing is like a microcosm of what Jesus wants to do with right. all of humanity, right? Make us whole. Yeah, make us whole, cleanse us, allow us to be presentable
1: to, to God. A perfect God that has you know, to have that.
0: If you know, if we equate sin to leprosy, well, we can't be with God if we have sin. Right. And the only way to be with God is for Christ to cleanse us and cure us of that, that disease. So it's, it's a very um, poignant... Uh, little verse there, especially in the next verse where Jesus says, I will be clean. Um, and I have a bit of a silly question because I think it's kind of a leading question to what I want to talk about. Um, but can we take Jesus' statement in verse 3 as a blanket statement of his will to cure all disease, which now that I read it is kind of a dumb question, but... Um you can just say no, it's okay, yeah I, you know
1: <laughs> i I think it's it's no you know for for a couple of different reasons one he's um he's answering a very specific question from a very specific individual you know, I don't think he's making uh, I, I, any kind of claim of um uh i will for everyone. You know, everybody be clean. I think this is a very specific statement to a very specific uh, person here uh, from a very specific request that that person has made to Jesus. So, yeah, I don't think that's a blanket statement that we can apply to everybody.
0: Which leads me to my
1: next question.
0: How should we respond when he doesn't cure a person who asks for it? Um someone who, you know,
1: is earnest in their faith and says, God, please. Well, I think it's I think it's just like anything, it's to be genuine. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with being disappointed. I don't think there's anything wrong with continuing to want this person to be healed or to see that happen, to see a cure come. Um and and to really question why he doesn't do it, I think there's definitely an element of, um, longing for more, uh, longing for heaven where, I mean, we, you know, that's a, not to, to give just a simple answer, but there is an element of, we all will be made whole again in eternity. So there will be a cure that comes from there, but, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, kind of struggling with the why doesn't he heal? Uh, Why doesn't he make us whole, especially when somebody is so sincere about uh, coming to him and believing it? You know, uh, I I have no doubt in my mind that he can uh, cure people, make people whole. I have no doubt that, you know, uh, he does those things. But then when I want to apply it to a specific person, that's where my doubt comes in. That's where it breaks down for me. Um, you know, and I, I think there is isn't even an element with this, with the leper going to Jesus of, um, kind of coming, you know, back to that question of having that faith of. I, I get a sense that that the that the leper went to Jesus, already kind of having a, a like an answer in his heart of God is going to do this for me, and I certainly think God does that today. And so, if we have this element of God has spoken to me, spoken to my heart has has given me a um he is going to heal me or he's going to answer this prayer, then we need to continue to come before him in that certainty um, but if we don't have that kind of certainty of an answer from him, um I don't think it you know um eliminates the us not being able to make that request. But um, there's, I, I don't know if that's making, am I making sense at all? Like, I do think there's, an. sometimes there are times where you feel like, even though I may not have the answer to this prayer right now, God has laid it on my heart that he is going to answer this prayer at some point down the road. And I think when you kind of have that Sense in your heart going to him, it makes it easier to pray for that. So, yeah, so I uh,
0: that was a loaded question, (laughs) but you knew that. Um, you know, uh, my mom has MS uh, and has had it for a long time. Um, and so when I read passages of this, like this in scripture, where um, someone with a disease asks to be healed and God heals them like that. I often wonder why why did they get healed but my mom hasn't? Um you know, and MS is not leprosy. My mom is not a social outcast. She has many good friends. Um you know, and strong relationships and she's still able to work and um, all of this stuff she just has to do it all, do it all from a wheelchair which, you know, sucks. Um, But at the same point, you know, this is a disease that unless God intervenes is never going to go away. And so it's one of the struggles that I have had, and I know that my family has had, is why God has chosen not to heal my mom, even though we pray for it regularly. Um, and so I asked that question because I'd like an answer (laughs) for, from a purely selfish point of view, like she's my mom, it's not fair. And I get that life isn't fair. I know that I've experienced that more times than, you know, I would have liked, but it's, it's kind of a, a case study for me of it's easy to Worship God and enjoy Him and to live for Him when life is going well and then it's it's much more difficult to do so when you don't understand why certain things happen um and so I think for me, the question was how how do how should we respond when he doesn't cure a person and I think the the answer I've come to is that because God has To this point, chosen not to heal my mom does not make him less good. Um, It certainly frustrates me um, and, you know, causes me to want to understand the reason behind it. Um, But because God allows crappy things to happen, and not just to my mom, but to people all over the world, that... If I believe what the Bible says, that God is good, that God is just, um, and that God has, you know, the eternal good of mankind in mind when he does or doesn't do things, then I have to trust that there is some purpose for my mom's suffering, which is such a weird thing to kind of come to a conclusion on. You know, like, because I believe that God is good and that the Bible is true, that it is theoretically okay that my mom's body is just going to eat itself alive, to be perfectly honest. And that is such a non, um, no, it's so counterintuitive to how I want to react. I want to say this is stupid, this is dumb, this is ridiculous, this shouldn't happen, not to her, you know. And I have those feelings a lot, but, you know, we we have prayed and we continue to pray that God will heal her, um, whether through miracle or through medicine. I don't care. I just want it to get done. (laughs) Um, But we all have to go to sleep at night trusting that God is still good. And, and so whenever, you know, this is not the first time or the last time that he's just going to heal someone on the spot. So every time I read this passage, it just triggers so much emotion and, and anger and confusion in me that I, I wanted to talk about it here because, you know, I'm not the only person that deals with,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and I'm not even dealing it with it, it within my own body, but it is someone who I love and who loves me, and you know she's my mom, like she... <laughs> a mom and their kids have a special bond. Um, So if you're out there and you are somebody or know somebody who's suffering, um, it's okay to, you know,
1: not know why. But I think it's important to
0: remember as often as possible that if you do believe what the, what scripture says and, and who God says he is, that although we may not understand the reason, we have to trust him that there is one.
1: So, I don't know. Um, so, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 12. Um, I'm going to start with verse 7, although verse 9 is kind of the, the focus on this. And this is Paul. Um, so 2 Corinthians 12, 7. So, keep me from becoming, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, Flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, and this is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness therefore i will boast all the more gladly of my weakness so that the power of christ may rest upon me um so here's here's paul um major author of of our new testament uh one of the major players in christianity spreading throughout the world um and he talks about he has this thorn in the flesh. Um, I don't believe that anybody knows what that is. Uh, it, it's hotly debated, though. It is hotly debated. Uh, it can certainly be a a physical ailment, uh, you know, something to the effect of um, a bad knee or, or a hip or something that causes to travel to be um, a burden to him, you know, for, for the journeys that he, you know, traveled all over uh the mediterranean <laughs> area <laughs> area um uh so so he he traveled much uh proclaiming the gospel um in uh teaching the early church um or it it could have been something of a um a a sin that he struggles with you know it could be something that You know, for all we know, lust was a major issue for Paul. And he's asking God to take it away from him. He's kind of like, okay, you know, keep going to these places and there's all these hot Mediterranean women. and I could just focus so much better, God, if this wasn't an issue for me. And uh, ultimately, um, God is glorified in our weakness. And while we may not have physical ailments, specific disease, uh, or something that we want healed from, we all have that weakness that God can be glorified in. And um, I just realized for me personally, I I am constantly um, I'm constantly living my life in a manner to where I don't want others to see my weakness. And it's just such a ridiculous effort that I put into that because Clearly, God is glorified in my weakness, yet I make such an effort to hide my weakness from others and want to come across as, um, you know, somebody that has my act together and makes good decisions and does all this kind of stuff. When the reality is, as God's going, uh, the very thing that you consider a weakness, the very thing that uh, you feel like is a, um, th- th- that you want to get rid of, I'm going to use it to be glorified because my grace is sufficient. So um and even as I say that I think my my intent, my heart behind that is to go here's Paul. Uh you know he's he, Paul. he's Paul. <laughs> yeah, he's Paul. He had something like that too and got and it's just basically going for whatever reason God didn't answer my prayer on this the way i wanted it answered but he answered me with saying his grace is sufficient so by no means am i trying to say eh buck up move on but even the best of them had this that he was dealing with so
0: yeah i think that that answer a question that i was going to ask later um Oh, sorry. No, 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 that's that's <laughs> that's good, Dave. That's very good. That means I'm just mentally crossing it off
1: okay. <laughs> the list. You know, and then the, the, uh, another thing that, that just kind of came to me too was is, um, you know, we asked that question earlier of, does should verse 3 be a blanket statement to cure all disease? But But I kind of had this moment of, you know, it'd be nice if just once, in the New Testament, when somebody comes to Jesus to get healed, he doesn't do it. Because as I'm sitting here, I can't think of a moment where he go, he's going to go, where God goes, well, I'm, I'm going to choose not to heal you. Uh, and that's where I kind of was starting to go, okay, may not be a blanket statement, but I don't really see anywhere where there was a request made for healing and he doesn't do it. I get, and again, I'm opening maybe a whole nother <laughs> tangent
0: here. No, so yeah. and,
1: and And there are those situations of, uh where they lower the mat for the paralytic and uh he says your sins are forgiven and then the based on the faith of his friends not on his right but then jesus knows that the pharisees are sitting there mm-hmm. going who is this guy that he has the ability to-? and he goes well which is it easier for me to say your sins are forgiven or you know pick up your mat and walk could and you be imagine healed? how
0: quiet that room was when that dude got up and walked Cause Jesus (laughs) pretty much just like told the Pharisees and pick up your jock strap. Like you just got, your ankles are broken. Like I just dunked all over your faces. That was
1: so awesome. And again, you know, um, I think, you know, even in some of those kinds of things, it's um, what glorified God and ultimately, you know, was it about that person being healed or was it about being God glorified? And I think there's kind of this, the weightier element of that is, is God was glorified by that. So, again, I think I'd be a little bit better with all of this if there was a story where Jesus said, I'm good. (laughs) My grace is sufficient, (laughs) so I'm not going to heal you. (laughs) Instead, we get it from Paul, so...
0: All right, let's keep going here. Uh, our next question is for verse 4, where Jesus said, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. What does he mean when he says that? It, it seems kind of counterintuitive. If you're going to heal this dude of leprosy, and the thing that he wants the most is to go into town and be like, Look! I can be part of, you know, the city again. And what God says is, don't go say anything, God. Go see the priest. Um, he's trying to cover it
1: up or what's going on? You know, this was one of those ones that I remember wrestling with this quite a bit a long time ago. And I'm just going to share what sort of I landed on. And I'm not exactly sure that this is 100%, but... You know, he's already getting this crowd of people that are following him as he's coming down from the Sermon on the Mount. And it's the momentum is beginning to build. And I think he's excited about the teaching and that sort of thing. But I think there's that piece of I didn't come to be a, a sideshow healer of, okay, I never get the chance to do anything because all I'm ever going to be doing is healing people. And, uh, So I think there's that element of why did he say to not say anything is that it's sort of a, that's not what this is all about. This is not all about uh, me healing people. Uh, Obviously has the ability to do it. Obviously has the heart and the desire to do it because I do think um, there are times where it would have been very easy for him to push the crowd away and be like, leave me alone, get away, and he doesn't. He, you know, The Bible says that he has compassion on the crowd and um, loves them and heals them, but ultimately, yeah, he didn't want to get bombarded with the word going out that he was healing people and um, getting so bogged down by having to do nothing but that. That um, his desire was to keep it on the down low as long as possible, which I don't think that happened. I think it was pretty quick.
0: Well, do, to, is, do you think part of it is he's trying to postpone the resurrection as long as possible? I don't. I don't think it's. I. That's I, the first time I've ever had that thought before. Like, no. don't go tell anyone because the sooner this gets out, the sooner the Pharisees are going to come from my head. Yeah. Um. Not, like, postpone it in a sinful way, but, no, like, no, no, trying no. to buy himself as much time as possible.
1: Right. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying in terms of, like, it's one thing for me to stand here and preach and teach these kinds of things, because people will probably listen to that forever. Mm-hmm. But it's another when I start doing miracles and the Pharisees are now, like, okay. Time we to put
0: this guy down. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, you know, because even in that, it's, you know, I'm, I'm reminded of... Um, In the book of John, where his first miracle is to change the water to wine. And his mom is the one going, hey, you need to do this, you need to do this. And he hasn't even done a miracle yet, but Mary knows that he has the ability to do it. Yeah, what has he done that we don't know about? And his response is, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet.
0: But he does it anyways, because he's a good boy and listens to his mom.
1: Yeah, exactly. Good Jewish boy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, you know, I, I... and again, I just I think there are just as as we talk about Jesus and the and the things that he did and the things that he said, there are just so many layers to this. And you know, I, I think one of them that we forget about is he was human. And so I think there was just this constant just tension for him of like, uh, it's not my time yet. I'm not I don't wanna be about all this kind of stuff. I wanna do what the the father wants me to do and I see kind of these things intruding on that and not making me able to do all those kinds of things. But I also think there was this, you know, the God side of him of there is a timeline. There is this, um, so, uh, yeah. And ultimately I think it was, again, I'm not about parlor tricks. I'm not about, you know, Ooh, he, you know, he can do this neat stuff. I think it was very much about ushering in the kingdom of God and that, the things that we can get focused on, like miracles and healings and things like that, are probably a smaller part of what his earthly ministry uh, was about. It's kind of that you can't you can't take the God out of God, so he's still going to do these things, but ultimately, uh, the agenda was different than doing those kinds of things. Um, I don't know. Do you have any more? Because I think there's there's two parts of it. There's the um, say nothing to anyone. And then there's the presenting yourself to the priest. Did you want to say anything more about the saying? Don't say anything to anyone before we move on to the
0: no. Go to no. the priest. We're we're
1: good to go. Um, and then going back to uh, Leviticus 13 and 14, dealing with uh, skin diseases and leprosy is is kind of I think a uh, a broader term here than what we typically think of today with leprosy and um, the um, blood flow ceasing and and limbs falling apart. Anything that had to do with the skin uh, was labeled under this leprosy. So like my teenage acne? I think so. Uh Because I boils and... I didn't have boils, Dave. They're just zits. No, I know. (laughs) (laughs) But any of that kind of stuff. (laughs) And ultimately, and ultimately... uh, in Leviticus, when it talks about these things, there was ways to deal with your skin disease um, to where you could be considered clean again. And the way you became clean again or, or got the official stamp of approval was to go to the priest. And for the priest to look at it and go, yes, you are clean. And so ultimately, um, that's what we would have gotten here is a confirmation of the miracle from, from the priest. He would have gone, shown him that. So we're it's more of a... Um, it's not about the miracle here. It's not about, um, you know, the priest sort of uh, having to approve it to make it official, but it's sort of like the that's where the credibility is going to come from, is, mm-hmm. is he's the expert in these matters. And so if the you go to the priest and the priest says, yes, you're clean, then we're going to get a confirmation of the miracle there. So And I think there's still, too, uh, an element of Jesus saying, you know, I didn't. I didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. And so there's this fulfillment of the law, even in this act as well, of just saying, um, uh, "This is this is consistent with what the Old Testament says." We're not just completely gonna get rid of that. So, I hadn't even
0: thought about that aspect of it. See, Dave, you're so smart. I
1: <laughs> don't know. God's the smart one.
0: You're also so humble.
1: (laughs) Every now and then he (laughs) lets us speak things. that.
0: All right. In closing. Yes. How can we, you and I, right here, right now, encourage uh, the people listening, whenever that may be, uh, to have a stronger faith in the power of prayer, despite
1: the outcome? I, I think the... Um, way that you can do that is to allow God to answer you beyond just what it is that you want. So I think you can go before God and say, God, I want this person to be healed. I want to be healed, but more than that, I want you to be glorified, and I want to hear from you, and I want a word from you, uh, because I believe God will do that. And um, in the case of Paul, his answer may be, my grace is sufficient for you. And so while Paul was frustrated by the thorn in the flesh that he had, I think um, God still, God answered him. You know, we talk about, uh, talking about what Jesus said, and in my version that where I'm reading in Second Corinthians, that answer is actually in red. So uh, I was a little surprised by that when I read it today because I wasn't right, expecting. Wait a minute, <laughs> you're, you're not alive now. That's... Um, so there's there's very much a uh, in in the the Bible app that I use. With that, if it if Jesus didn't say it, they don't put it in red. Mm-hmm. And so, um so they're definitely attributing that answer to Jesus. And I don't want to completely get so far down that road with that either right now, but. um I believe that was an answer that Paul got. And so um, God will show up. He will give you an answer to your prayer of my grace is sufficient or uh, an answer of the timing is not now or you need to continue to pray for this. You know, give God the opportunity to give you an answer, although it may not be the answer that you're per se looking for. Um, and one of the ways that you do that is through prayer. And the second way you do that is through reading scripture, because I, the way God talks to us first and foremost today, and I guess maybe people can debate me on this is I believe he speaks to us through his, his written word, his scripture. And so, um, if we're not doing that, if we're not reading his word and spending time with him meditating on it, we may not be giving him the opportunity to give us the answer, Well, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, and you know what? I'm not hearing a voice. I'm not hearing, you know, I'm not getting a sign from you, God. Um, I think it's much more subtle in terms of an answer.
0: That's better than than what I can say. (laughs) Uh, We'll go there. I think that wraps it up about. I I would agree. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to episode 25 of The Masterclass. You can find links to all of the stuff that we talked about in uh, the show notes, which can be found at masterclassfm.com slash masterclass slash 25. Or if you're listening on your mobile, you can just probably scroll down and they should be right there magically. You can also get in touch with us uh, on Twitter at masterclassfm. Dave is at 108HBO, T-E-N, the number eight, the letters H-B-O. And I'm at Cam Brennan. Uh, You can email us if you want. I almost forgot about that one. Masterclassfm at gmail.com. And also, don't forget, take the survey, please. Pretty, 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 please. Also, Dave, big news. I think the shirts are going to show up this week.
1: Yes. So send us your pictures.
0: I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> and the weather's starting to drop off, which means I might be able to wear the hoodie sooner than later. Yes. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Have a lovely rest of today. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>